Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And that's the first distraction. It's success. Have you ever thought about it like that? The more successful you are, the more distractions that are going to get brought into your life, maybe not to keep you from living of this world, but that will keep you from living for the Lord. The more successful you are at times, the more challenging it can be to live for the Lord. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. Now, um, how many of you here, and I'm not going to give you a hard time, okay, I'm not, I promise, but how many of you here graduated from the University of Colorado? If you graduated, a few of you, got a few of you here. All right, it's a tough day yesterday in football tough day. But that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, Oregon's a really good football team. What we are talking about, though, is like there's a, there's a quote that the coach made from Oregon that has gone viral. And I don't necessarily totally agree with it, but I think the point that he's making is very important as it relates to specifically what we're getting into today. He said, they are fighting for, referring to the University of Colorado, they're fighting for clicks and we're fighting for, did any of you hear it? wins. They're fighting for clicks and we're fighting for wins. And the whole point that he is making there is that they are distracted. We are here on purpose. And the reason that we are here is not about clicks, views, or likes. The reason that we are here is to win the game. And I think that that's a good setup to what we're going to be talking about today. John 10.10 says, Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have that life to the full. He wants you to have a full life. And that full life means that you're going to live in his kingdom and live for his purposes and expand his mission through your life into your heart. And, and his kingdom is going to go out into the world. That is a lot. That is that full life. But often we can get distracted. But often we can end up in the wrong place. And so we've been in this study, and we're going to continue in this study for the next several weeks on the life of Joseph. And as we're going through this life of Joseph, I'm going to give you a bit of a review here. We're talking about, first of all, this guy who has a lot of potential. He has a great trajectory in his life, but he's got a pride problem. He's, got a lot, he's, he's not very good with people. He, he really lacks self-awareness. His struggles with relating to people, reading a room, and then making the most of his potential while at the same time being humble and remaining connected to the Lord, it just isn't happening. And so because of that, he's very disliked in his family. And then he has a dream. He catches a dream for where it is that he's going to end up. God gives him this dream. It's pretty incredible. And the dream is essentially this. Joseph is standing and everybody else is kneeling. Joseph is the one on top 
and everybody else is below. And he goes, and then he tells his brothers this dream. And his brothers interpret it as, rightly so, ah, we are the ones that are going to be bowing, and you are the one that's going to be standing. Now, the idea of where this dream is and where his reality was is unimaginable that they, the two would be able to ever get connected because he was hated and despised by his brothers. There was no way that they were ever going to go from the place they were to have that dream fulfilled. And so as we found out, that dream then led to a detour, a divine detour. But it would be a painful detour for Joseph. It was a detour that along that path, his brothers would take him, grab a hold of him, put him in a cistern, pull him out of the cistern, sell him off into slavery. And it's that slavery that he would lead in, that he would go into, and he would be bought by a man named Potiphar. They hated him. And this detour would lead to where we're at today, which is what we're talking about, distraction. Now, I got to offer a little bit of commentary on this particular part of where we're at So he is purchased, Joseph is purchased by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a man who's high up in the the echelon, the administration of the Pharaoh. He's high up. So he has a lot of influence. And Joseph is sold off to him. Now, when we think of slavery, we often think of 18th century slavery, shackles, beatings, things along those lines. Some commentators, and I would say it's a bit of a stretch, but some commentators would liken this ancient slavery more to like an employer and employee relationship. And I do think that there are some similarities. However, the pay wasn't as good and the consequences were significantly more harsh if something went sideways. But I will say that there were certainly some similarities. And that has to be said because what we're talking about here is that Joseph is on the path that God has for him. He is walking the walk, so to speak. He is going where he's supposed to be going. It's an incredible situation. His brothers tried to stop the dream from being fulfilled, but actually their actions are helping it, ironically, to be fulfilled. And he's in this place, as we're going to find, of success. Of success. Even though there is some sla- the slavery aspect that is tough to totally reconcile, but he is successful in this moment. And then we're going to see that there are distractions that come his way. And my guess is, for many of you, it may not totally feel like it, but that's okay. You are experiencing some success. You, you're, many of you are married. You have a good marriage. I mean, by that I mean you're not like on the verge of hiring divorce attorneys. Like, so you're together. You got kids. You're pretty healthy. Maybe a little tired, but pretty healthy. Stable job. You probably even have money to look forward to for retirement one day. Like you don't actually have to work one day. There's going to be a day whenever you don't have, you'll just have enough money set aside to do that. We are so successful. And then you're at church. And the reason I point that out is because, um, the reason I point that out is because you are on the path that God has for you. Like you want to know where God wants you today, right now? He wants you here. He wants you at church. You're on that path, but you're going to get distracted. And there's three distractions that are going to come at Joseph, and he responds to each of them perfectly. And it's how we respond to these distractions that is going to help us, or it can hurt us. Because how we respond to these distractions will either cause us to become incredibly arrogant and prideful, or dependent more on God, They will cause us to maybe ruin relationships. 
They can cause us to ruin our health. They could cause us to ruin our families. How we, depending on how we respond to these uh, temptations, that, that's what it'll be, how we just respond to these distractions. Or we could even end up feeling sorry for ourselves. Do you feel a little sorry for yourself? Do you feel like people are against you? They're being too harsh on you? Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. Well, let's see what happens with Joseph in his life. Let's see what kind of what, what we can learn from that. We'll begin reading in Genesis 39, verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord, that's important, was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. How did Potiphar see that the Lord was with Joseph? He saw that because Joseph told him, because Joseph had witnessed about the Lord. And this Hebrew word here for the Lord is very important. There's a general word for, for God that, that is Elohim. It, it could be any God. But then there is the word that Joseph uses here that is written down, which is Yahweh. It's a, in other words, Joseph viewed God as a personal God, a God who was really with him. And with God being with him, even though he was in slavery, he was still experiencing success. He was still garnering favor. And Potiphar saw that and he wanted more of it. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And that's something to be said. Are you bringing blessings to the places where you work? The places where you are? Or what are you bringing into that? Or are you just taking? Am I just taking? Because when the Lord is with us and we have that in mind and we're really on mission, what we realize is like there is a blessing that gets to pass through us to others. People just get blessed because they're associated with us. And that was certainly the case with Potiphar. The blessing of the Lord was when everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And so Joseph, even though there's certain aspects of his circumstance that are challenging, he is incredibly 
successful. He's exactly where God wants him to be in this moment, and it's going well for him. And that's the first distraction. It's success. Have you ever thought about it like that? The more successful you are, the more distractions that are going to get brought into your life, maybe not to keep you from living of this world, but that will keep you from living for the Lord. The more successful you are at times, the more challenging it can be to live for the Lord. You know, there's a great example of this in the Old Testament. It's Solomon. Look at how Solomon is described in in 2 Chronicles. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. In other words, he was incredibly successful beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. If you read the prayer that he prays for the temple dedication, it's unbelievable. He talks about how he's a servant of the Lord. He's praying for the people of Israel. He's just committing his life to God. Three chapters later, in 1 Kings 11, this is what it says about Solomon. After he's experienced all that success, he had 700 wives of royal birth. In other words, these were more basically political alliances that were made to keep the peace, to keep the success. 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, His wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. And it seems as though the success pushed him to need to marry more women in order to keep the peace, in order to keep the kingdom united, in order to keep the high level of achievement that he had. There's another man who experienced this, something similar, named Millard Fuller. You might not recognize Millard's name, but you've probably heard of some of his impact on the world. Millard Fuller was a man who, in the 60s, was a a very successful attorney. He was married, he had a young family, and right about 1970, he had become officially a millionaire at the age of 29. And to be a millionaire in 1970, I I mean, that's a lot of money in 1970. And so he's a millionaire. His, his practice is unbelievably successful. But he was also losing his health, he was losing his family, and he was losing his faith. You see, Millard Fuller had been, had been raised in the Christian church. He had been baptized into Christ. He knew what it meant to follow Christ. And somewhere, in, somewhere along the line in his 20s, he began to get distracted. And the more success he experienced, the more distracted he got. And seemingly the things that were most important in his life, the things that God had put in his life, the path that he was on, began to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where his wife did hire the divorce attorney. And they were on the verge of signing those papers. But then at the last second, you might say, he gained a moment of clarity and he knew what he had to do. And you know what it was? It'd be the thing that so many of us would struggle to do. Maybe in that day people would struggle to do it. They'd definitely struggle in our day. You know what he did? He didn't give up on the marriage. He sold the practice. He quit practicing law. He moved into the country and he committed to uh, reconnecting 
and entrenching himself in the spiritual Christian foundation that he was raised in. And then he was trying to figure out what to do with his life. His marriage was better. His health was better. His faith was unbelievably better. And then he's trying to figure out what to do with his life. He always had a passion for housing. He wanted to help people have affordable housing. And so through a few different uh, operations, you might say, actually in Africa, in the Congo, he developed a business model. And we know of that business model today as Habitat for Humanity. And it was a concept of rolling debt. He would give somebody a, low, a cheaper loan, they would pay off that loan, and then they would take that money to be able to build another house for someone else, and then they would keep that cycle rolling along. And he started that, he started that organization as a ministry that was founded on his faith. And he led that for 30-some years. And then the early 2000s, there came this crossroads with Miller Fuller and his board. He wanted it to get back in touch with more of his Christian roots, and they wanted to go more secular. And so what happened? Well, in 2005, they fired him. The guy who started the whole thing, they fired him. And then he, in turn, started another organization that would help people in housing with a similar model. And when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, one of the first people they called was Millard Fuller. And he started that new organization with a foundation of his Christian faith. And the reason I tell you all of that is because just like Solomon didn't do it, Millard Fuller did do it. Success can be one of our greatest distractions from being faithful to the Lord and experiencing what I said in John 10, what Jesus said and what I read to you in John 10, a full life in Christ. And so is your success distracting you? Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, And it warns us with these words, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Why? Because their confidence won't be in themselves, but instead it'll be in God. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. So Joseph is successful 
And he's got this temptation to get pulled away, but he doesn't do it. And how do we know that? It's because he told Potiphar, he said, all of this is because the Lord is with me. It's not because how smart I am. It's not because how strong I am, as we're going to come to find out. It's not because how good looking I am. It's because of the Lord. And Potiphar acknowledged that, that, that this guy had a relationship with Yahweh, not Elohim. A big G God, not a low G God. That's how you combat that's how you combat the distraction of successfulness is that you point it back to the Lord and you realize that's where your confidence should be. So we come back into the text in verse six. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Think about this a few different ways. There are so many reasons that uh, Joseph could have justified this. He could feel sorry for himself and say, well, I'm in this terrible position. Why not just go ahead and go with it? Why not go along with it? Nobody's around. None of my family's here. They won't know. Well, why can't I do this? I'm doing so many other good things for, for my boss, for Potiphar. Why can't I just give in? I mean, he could have justified it a lot of different ways, but he doesn't. He speaks to the issue two ways that we need to speak to temptation. He speaks to it rationally and he speaks to it spiritually. He says, out of all the things... Here, I have access to except you. So he's speaking into it again with his rational mind. But then he says, even if I were to give into this, which I won't, but if I did, it's not a sin against Potiphar, it's a sin against God. And so his faith is taking hold. And then he goes on. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, because that's how temptation works, he refused to go to bed with her, even with her. And one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran off, ran out of the house. He ran away from it as, as fast as he could. And what was the second distraction on this path of success, this path of blessing? It's temptation. The temptation is going to come to you. And I've, I've, I've dealt with my own temptations. I've sat with many people who've struggled with their temptations. And I tell you what, there's been some people that have dealt with some pain that I can't even adequately communicate to you. And they just, because they gave into those temptations and they wish that they had these kind of words to find them. Wouldn't it be great if you, think about your struggles with temptation. Wouldn't it be great if this defined you? But he refused. But she refused. Like to have those three words define how it is that you respond to temptation. But he refused, just like Joseph. How did Joseph respond? He refused. He could have justified his sin, but he didn't. And it's always coming at us. Think about a man like Samson in the Old Testament. He's a man who was incredibly successful, great leader, judge over Israel, won a lot of battles for the people of Israel, but he also struggled. It was said of him that he was a he-man with a she-problem. And he definitely had problems with crossing lines. And here's the thing about giving in to temptation when we don't refuse, is you might not immediately suffer consequence, but eventually you will. 
You might not immediately suffer the consequences, but eventually they will come. And with Samson, that's exactly what happened. Eventually, he had crossed so many lines. He ended up with Delilah. He, he reveals the secret to his strength. His hair is cut. And then he wakes up and he expects everything to be just like it always is. He expects to shake off the trouble. But this is, what the, this is what the text said. Then she, Delilah, called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. It's that moment when you give in. And then you kind of get back to your life again. You just think everything's going to be okay. There's not going to be a problem again. You just wake up. Something gets your attention. You just shake it off. Everything's going to be okay. But what we learned from Samson is there comes a point at which it's not okay. He didn't know that the Lord had left him. He didn't know he wasn't going to win that battle. He didn't know that everything was going to go back to that it wasn't going to go back to the way that it was. He's on the path. He had the credentials. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.